Today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast contains explicit language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Wednesday, September 2nd, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whenever you are listening to this program, we greatly appreciate it. And guys, I will say it is really cool to see the listenership continue to grow. And uh, as we've kind of opened up some of our discussions here, uh, it's been interesting to see that it has grown. Uh, the Each episodes are getting more and more total plays. And, and I know that most people don't necessarily listen to an episode the day it comes out. Some of you, uh, you diehard fans, yeah, you're, you're all about it. But I do know that over time, People kind of within the week, I would say, is when they most likely listen to the episodes. So that's encouraging to know that people are still going back to catch up a little bit. Maybe if you didn't get to Tuesday or Wednesday's show, you're listening to it on Friday. At least that's what the analytics are telling me, seeing the numbers continue to grow. If an episode gets 40 or 50 plays on the first day it's out, uh, then it ends up with 80 or so by the end of the week. That's really cool to see. So awesome stuff. Uh, today's Wednesday, and you guys know that Wednesdays mean Bill Barnes. On the weekly Wednesday weigh-in, Bill Barnes is a retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire. He and I used to work some college baseball together, and uh, he's been somebody that is just a very good friend of mine, much older than I, uh, but somebody that uh, I am very good friends with, and I'm just very happy that he's here every single week and is willing to kind of get a bunch of things off his chest. Uh, for those of you who have not listened to the show before, at least on Wednesdays, Bill Barnes is quite a character, very intense. I can promise you some strong language. Uh, so this not for everybody for sure, but I think the people that constantly tune in on Wednesdays to Hill Beer here. Well, that was interesting. Heal Beer. No, Hill here, Bill Barnes. They are, uh, they know what he's about and, and they like listening to him. So Bill's going to be Bill. Uh, that's what he's here for. We wouldn't have it any other way. I do know that there's probably people out there who decide not to listen to Bill on Wednesdays, and that's totally fine. That's totally fine, but I'm glad he's here. We are all about, uh, you know, stirring it up a little bit, getting things off our chest. I know that for me, I, I definitely need to do that as well, and I've opened up a lot of my uh, viewpoints, if you will, and been a little bit more vocal because of Bill Barnes here on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. So very happy to have him. We'll get to beer. I did it again. We will get to Bill Barnes very shortly. Uh, a couple things. Um, I, I told you the listenership continues to grow. Every time we get likes on Facebook or follows on Twitter, uh, or I see that maybe episodes are getting more plays than, than uh, other ones, uh, it's, it's rather encouraging. So uh, we were contacted by Todd Bell on our Get Home Safe podcast Facebook page, and Todd posted a YouTube video of the 1982 CIF football championship between Real Hondo Prep and Templeton. Uh, Todd Bell, I believe, I believe so, was on that team. Uh, but Todd shared that video with us, and he said, here is a team with a group of guys you should have on your podcast. Guarantee they would have some good stories. Well, Todd Bell, uh, we've never met, sir, but I know your name from the 
1982 championship banner, I believe. I hope that's that's what banner it's on. Anyway, uh, I know a lot of guys from that that team. I know a lot of the names. Uh, Scott Moore, he used to coach against me when I was a little kid. Um, but everyone else on there, I, I think I've known their names, but I don't. I've never really met them. So if you would like to put them in contact with me, by all means, I am uh, more than happy to have anybody on this program who wants to come on and have a conversation with me. Uh, I, I love history. I love Real Hondo Prep history. So that was the only CIF championship in the 1980s for Real Hondo Prep and what, what, what some would say a, a down decade, if you will. But uh, any, not, not all kidding aside, they just, they just didn't hang a banner that year. Some great teams, specifically in the, in the late 80s, uh, with a team that actually lost to Templeton in the CIF finals themselves. So uh, some good football teams in the 1980s at Real Hondo Prep, as well as all the other decades. So thank you, Todd Bell, for writing in that message. And I welcome anyone to uh, get in contact with me and let's set it up and make it happen. That would be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, so guys, just like that, anyone wants to send anything in, feel free. I got a question um, from Dave Joe coming up that is actually for Bill Barnes and myself. So we're going to get to that when I start the interview with Bill, but we appreciate the feedback. It could be anything, a text message, just a quick little, Hey, mention this on the podcast, or Hey, here's a video of a, a championship football camp from 1982. Uh, just anything. We, we're glad to hear from you guys. And I will say the the 1982 footage, man, that was pretty cool. Seeing care field uh, back in the eighties and how some things don't really change. And it was a little grainy and everything, but awesome seeing the old footage of, uh, of my alma mater, Real Hondo Prep. And as you guys know, Bill Barnes, we've kind of, we've kind of got him, uh, turned him around and, and have him become this uh, revised Real Hondo Prep f- uh, fan. So uh, he's happy to hear, uh, see stuff like that as well. Um, let's see, where do we begin from here? Where do we go from here, guys? Uh, we're in this crazy time we are living in. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I got to tell you, me and Bill Barnes are going to get after it today. I say that every Wednesday, I know, but for the past week, I've been writing down so many little, little bullet points, little notes that, that Bill and I are just going to dive into big time. And uh, sometimes we we get on a topic for 10, 20 minutes or something, but I'm going to try to keep our conversation going. Um, You can't, you can't limit Bill. You can't censor Bill. That's for sure. And and I, I don't want to, I uh, want him to to get going and to say his piece and to really get going. Uh, I do want to say too, uh, thank you of one of the listeners from the program who has uh, let's see assisted us in some of our equipment. Bill Barnes will be having a new microphone today. Uh, I think one that's maybe a little bit more powerful. It's the exact same microphone that I use. So again, the podcast continues to improve on a daily daily basis, right? Just get a little better each day. I think that's the goal. And we're going to continue to do that. A couple little quick things I have. Um, Man, I've officiated a long, long time. I I officiated football, basketball, and baseball. And I started doing it at Care Youth League just because no one else wanted to do it. I kind of fell in love with it. After coaching a little bit at Real Hondo for a few years, I then transitioned and went into high school officiating, started officiating uh, those three sports. I ended up uh, working some college football. I currently work or recently worked college baseball. Uh, I worked baseball in the minor leagues for a long time. So my officiating journey, even though it started in Cary Youth League, I really officially got going in like the fall of 07, fall uh, fall, and then the, the uh, winter of 2008. So whatever that is, 10, 12 years, I, I think I stopped kind of some things a few years ago. Anyway, th- there's some things I, I've seen that over the years that have kind of shaped my 
opinions and values. That's for sure. And, and I always try to remember that I used to be a player as well. I used to be a coach. All right. So when I started officiating, it really got me to open my eyes and again, look back at myself and the type of guy I was, but, but I got to tell you in officiating any sport you want, use your, you could, you guys, I'll let you guys pick football, basketball, or baseball. My officiating experience every now and then you'd come across guys, coaches, players, whatever, who just love to complain. Okay. Now I'm in a business where people are critical of your decisions and, uh, your judgment all the time, right? That's just, that's comes, that's the nature of the beast. Well, I can't tell you how many times uh, you'd get in situations or altercations with coaches and, and you knew you were right. I knew I was right. There's also situations I knew I was wrong. Okay. Um, There has yet to be a perfect game officiated in the entire uh, history of the world, to my opinion, to my knowledge, excuse me. But I will say this about some of the uh, people you would come across in officiating. And and that was, there were people that just loved to complain. There were some guys that would complain over the, the biggest or the, the littlest of things and make them into big things. Okay. A few coaches come to mind. I won't get into specifics of who those guys are, but some guys you just dreaded working their games because you knew it was just going to be three hours of absolute agony. And they were going to complain every inch, every, and I, I always brought up the analogy of like crying wolf. You, you, you cry wolf enough times, people are going to stop listening. And then when the real wolf comes, it's like, oh, sorry. So I, I saw that so much in officiating where, I mean, if you're complaining the first pitch of the game or, you know, or you think a, a righteous, the first penalty of a game is completely righteous, but you guys are just looking for it because you're out to get us. Like if those are, if those are the way you attack officials, okay, you've lost credibility, and credibility, credibility is important for officials to have. I talk about that all the time with some of the officials I, I've uh, interviewed and, and also worked with in the past. All right. You got to make people believe you. Otherwise, when it is time for a big situation, they're not going to believe you. All right. If I've gotten 10 calls right all game and then there's one that's ooh really iffy or questionable. Well, you know what? My track record has shown. Okay. You know what? That was a tough call. I, I, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But if I've been terrible all game, then one really tough one comes up, even though it's it's one of those 50-50 calls, but I decide make a decision that goes against somebody, they're not going to be happy about it. They're not going to give me the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Some people love to complain and they will never stop. They will never be satisfied. The worst coaches to deal with in, in, in certain games, college games, even professional games in my minor league career the worst ones were the ones that were never satisfied. There's nothing you could, you could have walked out there called a perfect game standing on your head and they'd still be mad about something. Okay. And so as an official, I'm not saying you tune those people out, you tune those guys out, say I'm not, you know, but you wouldn't take everything they said, like it really meant something. You missed that call. Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You're going to say that another 20 times. Um, People who love to complain, and then when something goes goes right, they still complain. I saw that all the time with coaches. It was they were trying to fire their guys up, or it was their personality. Some of them were just jerks. I'd love to use some other other terms for them, uh, but I won't. 
And so when I talk to people now, when they deal with officials, when they deal uh, in, in athletics, uh, it's even some people at Real Hondo Prep I talk to. I'm like, guys, listen, if you guys are out of control all the time, then the moment that comes up when you probably should lose your mind is no different than a moment when you didn't need to lose your mind. You know what I mean? Like you can't just, if you're one speed all the time, you're always complaining about every little thing, then no one's going to listen to you when big things come up because your track record, your credibility is shot. And it's that way with officials too. I mean, if you're, if you're just always bad, yeah, if a tough play comes up, you're going to probably get an earful where if you're good all the time and then a tough play, okay, it might be a little different approach to you. I think Bill would agree with this stuff, All right? There's definitely personalities when you officiate and, and involved in sports and some people are just never going to be happy. They see that striped shirt. They see that black shirt, the umpire shirt, um, that umpire mask. They, they just, they're never going to be happy. It's them against us kind of in their, in their attitude, which I've never understood. Why would you want to fight uh, the impartial, uh, arbiters of the game when you're trying to compete against the other team. And yeah, you know, you hear the thing, Oh, we're playing against two teams right now, which I would flag immediately if it was football or immediately give a technical foul. Cause you're questioning my credit, my, uh, my integrity telling me I'm cheating for another team. That's unacceptable. So I don't know if this gives any insight to some, maybe the coaches out there or not, but I think, we're seeing a lot of things in society now where credibility is shot because if you complain about everything and you're unable, you're physically unable to look at a situation that is to, to look at separate situations and treat them separately instead of treating all situations as the same and, and just losing your mind and screaming about everything all the time. Well, I think your credibility shot. It, it's unfortunate because I do think there's some pretty big issues out there in society we're facing in America today. But I think some people don't know how to separate issues, treat one issue for what it is and another situation for what it is. I don't think uh, I would hate when again, to, to paint the picture some more, I would hate when picture when uh, coaches would say, Oh, that's the same call. Happen a lot in basketball or baseball too. That's the same pitch. Guy would you call strike three on a guy in the outside corner, then their team would come up. The pitcher would throw a pitch that's uh, a foot off the plate. The catcher sticks it and the dugout. Oh, that's the same pitch. Like, well, maybe it looks like the same pitch. Maybe in your eyes, from where you're sitting, it looks like the same pitch, but it's not. Do you guys kind of see where I'm going with this? Well, that's the same situation I saw on video as uh, a few months ago. That's the same exact thing. It's happening again. Well, maybe from your the video you've seen, but you anyway, it's an analogy there. I'm not going to go into specifics. I'll let you guys use your imagination. Officiating it has a lot of uh, a lot of imagery. Let me say, let me tell you, and it's it's definitely shaped a lot of my opinions over the years. Uh, and, and had me even tell friends, Hey, the way you're treating that official in that situation, you're dead wrong. 
clean it up. Pick Bill Barnes' favorite phrase to use when he's officiating and, and, and him describing coaches was, you need to pick and choose your battles. Okay, anyone who's been in a relationship, I think you can understand that. You're going to get mad about uh, makeup all over the counter, fellas? Or are you going to not make a big deal about that and make a big deal about something that really is important? So pick and choose your battles. I think that is something I'll talk to Bill about uh, and something I'll tell him that I talked about in the interview or the opening here. But uh, I don't think you can cry wolf forever because people are going to stop listening to you. And and I think that you do need to pick and choose your battles o- over time, no matter what you're doing, or or you will lose uh, credibility into what you are uh, being vocal about. And uh, nobody wants that. You, you want to be heard. If you want to be heard, you got to pick and choose your battles. And you also got to look at every situation for what it is. Not every play, not every block charge play is the exact same play in basketball. Not every pitch uh, that you think is close and similar is the exact same pitch in baseball. Okay. And not every holding call in football is the exact same thing. They're not. Each one is different. Well, guys, let's get to Bill Barnes. I know he's chomping at the bit. He's been waiting six days to jump on this microphone. And if I'm honest, I've been pretty excited and uh, fired up myself. I can't wait to unleash Bill, if you will, even though we'll be recording at his house once again. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm excited myself because uh, I consider myself on Wednesdays almost his, his sidekick because he, let, he takes the show over. He's already said that, and uh, he leads the way, and, and I'll answer questions and kind of uh, shape the direction of our topics and everything, but I know Bill is ready to get after it, as am I, so uh, be be warned, be, be beware of uh, the upcoming interview with Bill. For those of you who have not heard us uh, discuss topics on Wednesdays, welcome to the show, and I hope you will be back for a second time uh, after hearing this. So let's get right to our interview with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. It's the middle of the week. It's Wednesday. That means it's time for Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. The retired police officer and retired college baseball umpire joins us every week for very strong opinions and very random thoughts. Once again, here is the one and only Bill Barnes. Okay, we're back once again with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Bill, want to say... Thanks for having us once again at your lovely home. My pleasure. Always good to uh, tape on Tuesday afternoons. And um, we had a lot to talk about today. A lot of things have uh, stirred in the last few days that we're going to address aggressively. And I'm going to do my best to stick to point and, and, and make a nice, <laughs> concise uh, analogy of what's happening. Try to stay out of the profanity. And just stick to point because it's it's real serious and it's come down to crunch time that we need to start waking up to a few things. I think you're 100% right and I'm right there with you. We're going to try our best to stay calm. But you know what? Some of the things I've seen the past week, Bill, uh, just a continuation of chaos, if you will. Um, I, I don't know that I can 
restrain myself, but I'm going to do my best. Maybe as a team effort here, we can do it. Well, the day that, that, that I'm the calming influence of this duo, it's, that's going to be really sad <laughs> because then we have lost it. Oh, you were right about that. Well, there are plenty of things to cover. You already mentioned it. Uh, I have a few things I want to discuss. You have some things you want to discuss, but let's try to stay on point. We're going to have a couple big topics and then towards the second half, I think we'll do probably a bunch of bullet points and bounce around a few different things, just kind of rapid fire. So uh, first off, Bill, uh, did you get a chance to listen to Chuck Becker, a, a, a fellow former law enforcement officer who you've umpired with? And then, of course, Frank VR on Tuesday, who you've officiated football with. Frank and Chuck, I consider them both friends, uh, both uh, officiating uh, partners of mine throughout the years. Frank has done amazing things with his career. I am shocked he's not in the NFL yet. I'm pretty sure that he will be soon. Um, I understand he's moving to the referee position this year in college, when and if they play, hopefully soon. And he will shine there just as he shined as an umpire. I mean, you don't work two national championship football games for selling shoes, okay? <laughs> he's done a great job. Um, I, when I worked with him, I believe it was the 2005, uh, season on a sky act division three crew. Uh, you, you know, Frank's a guy that never loses his temper. Very, very, very even keel. And that's what a good official, good, good football official or official of anything does. Yeah. And he was the, looks good in a uniform. I mean, He's got it pretty much dialed in and has had a great future, and I'm sure he will continue to do so. This Frank Viar you see on the field is the same one you see off the field. Very calm, very, very collected, uh, just a super intelligent, good human being. Yeah. And, and Chuck Becker, same yeah. thing. Chuck uh, was a cop for many years, got an umpiring, good umpire, solid umpire, um, and – from what I know about his, you know, he doesn't, you don't make lieutenant again for selling shoes. <laughs> and he was a lieutenant in charge of their SWAT team. Again, very, very, to me, almost too, too even keel. <laughs> I always wanted to see Chuck just snap and, and I never saw him snap. So um, to that, I applaud Chuck. Great guy. Uh, great, great interview you had with both he and Frank. And uh, I wish them continued success in what they're doing. Um, and, uh, it was always a pleasure to work with them. Yes, absolutely. I could say the same. Well, guys, if you haven't had a chance, those were our interviews on Tuesday and Monday. So, uh, they're there if you'd like to chime in and, and check them out. Well, Bill, I know you love questions from our audience. Questions, yes, questions, yes. love questions. And you are a former law enforcement, uh, many years in Riverside and, we're going to talk a lot about law enforcement and a lot of different things related to the police here on this show. Have they so, been in the news lately? <laughs> it's been quiet. It's been a quiet uh, week, week, month or so. So, uh, yeah, I know you don't watch too much news. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> let's get into the question. This question is from Dave Joe. Two first names. You never can uh, be too sure of guys like that. But Dave Joe is a Rihondo Prep graduate, 1991. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Bill. Last week. Zero Real Hondo Prep guests on the program. And this week, so far, none scheduled. Well, so it's because you've had every person on your show that's had any affiliation at all with Real Hondo Prep, whether they were the, probably the principal down to the cafeteria lady. You've had every Real Hondo Prep person ever on the show already. So you've run out. 
not quite, but we're getting there. I'm working on it. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. We're trying to get, get every corner there if we can. Well, our question comes from Dave Joe, and in all seriousness, a serious question. Uh, he says, podcast question, what is you, your and Bill's opinion on what impact does the police union have on helping or hindering the weeding out of the 1% of officers that are casting a bad light on the profession? Great question. Um, in my experience, here, here's what a police union, an association is there for. They're for the rank and file officers who are um, work for the department. They're there to assist them with benefits they're there to sign them up for benefits when they first get on the job. They're there to make sure that their rights are adhered to during any type of investigation on that officer that could lead to any type of discipline. Um, generally, what happens is an officer is approached by a supervisor. The supervisor says, um, I've got to question you about a certain investigation. And if that officer is smart, he will say, Will this investigate, could this, inve could this interview or investigation lead to discipline? And if the supervisor says yes, then you are to cease and desist with that interview and ask for a uh, association or union rep, which you are entitled to by the Bill of Rights, Police Officers Bill of Rights. Now, that's what an association does for you. No matter if you're the greatest cop in the world or if you are one of those 1%, the association is bound to, by law, to uh, assist you mm -hmm. and represent you in that type of situation. Now, the shit's always going to rise to the top, okay? All right. Um, and if a good officer, someone who steps on himself during a, during some type of, of situation makes a mistake of the heart rather than the brain or the head, you are going to usually, it's going to be investigated. The truth's going to come out and whatever the discipline is, will be dis, it'll, it'll be, it'll be uh, forked out and you'll have a right to appeal that. Okay. Now, if what the officer has done is some, is completely egregious to the point where it is absolutely criminal. You're also going to be investigated criminally first. You're going to be investigated criminally first. Okay. And if let's say you are terminated from your job, you are terminated without your day in the, you know, discipline court because your discipline is termination, right? On a criminal offense. Okay. The association can't help you. Okay. They, they cannot help you. Now, if you are, found not guilty in that criminal offense based upon what the totality of the evidence is you in some cases may get your job back. And that is when your association and your association attorneys come into play and go to bat for you. And you go to an appeals board and you sue the department for your job back. What a lot of times happens is the department will say, we don't want this guy back. We know he did it. The jury was completely off their out of their minds when they found him not guilty. Um, they will somehow negotiate a settlement with this officer. Whereas, let's say he had had a uh, back back problem, 
three years later, three years before. They're gonna they're gonna revisit that that back injury claim and say, hey, guess what, uh, uh, Jasper, you had a back injury back in 2018, and you know what? We're giving you your job back, but we're gonna instantly retire you because we don't want your the liability from your injured back. And this is what it's gonna be. And they'll give out some crazy sum of money to them, and they'll dance it. They'll 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 drink it all pretty and make it go away. So, um. The association is a, think of it this way. Your union is a mini attorney for you to represent you before the shit really hits the fan. Okay. Sometimes on a minor infraction that you've done, let's say you drove off, uh, you drove off from the gas pumps and filling filling your car up at the end of the shift. I've done this. Okay. (laughs) And you left the, you left the nozzle in and you snapped the damn thing off. And there's gas flowing everywhere and you've made a hell of a mess. Now, it's not the crime of the century. However, um, you were neglectful in your duties as a police officer and gassing the car up at the end of the shift. It's going to cost money to fix the thing. And um, is it your fault? Well, absolutely, it's your fault. No one put a gun to your head, put you in the car, made you drive off. Even though you might have been responding to an emergency call that you heard come out and you forgot that the gas nozzle was in there. That's where their association is going to come in and try to represent you and make it make a a a bad situation a little worse. And they may come in and say and speak for you and say, you know, Officer Barnes was a complete and blithering idiot when he was gassing his car. However, um, he heard a yell on the radio, thought it was an emergency situation, jumped in his car. And because of a mistake in his heart and not in his brain, he drove off with the nut net gas nozzle in there when all it was was a squelching of the radio it wasn't a it wasn't a a scream he misinterpreted a crack in the radio for this scream and yes is he at fault yes but it's not because he purposely wanted to make a mess of the of the uh, gas pumps okay um their their recommendation would be a day suspension and our recommendation is he get a letter of reprimand. Okay, we'll 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 um, we'll send it to the captain and see what he thinks. The captain looks at it and he goes, "This Barnes is a fucking idiot. You know, this guy is a complete <laughs> clown." He goes, "The one day off is up is upheld. He's getting a day off." Mm-hmm. Then I have because it's a monetary hit to me because they're going into my pocketbook for a day's pay. I have the right, I have the right to appeal that. I have the right to go and appeal that. So that is where where an association helps you, okay? They're there to see that your rights are not trampled upon. So in answering Dave's question, it's kind of yes and no. They know who the ducks are, okay? However, they know who the idiots are, and they're going to kind of, you know, common sense is going to go into play on what they do for someone. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the severity of the infraction. So I asked another police officer this question and uh, the, here was the the response I got. Tell me what your thoughts are on this. Uh, The response of the police officer, same exact question. He said, in general, police associations focus on contract negotiations and ensuring that the police officers are protected from unfair work practices making sure they are legally represented in complaints and officer 
rights are adhered to, et cetera. They really don't have anything to do, uh, have any input in quote unquote, re- weeding out bl- bad employees. That is generally the job of internal affairs. So what are your thoughts? True on and accurate statement. statement. Okay. And that is said in the, in, a, in, in the textbook version right there. <laughs> I tried to give examples. Gotcha. Okay. If you could, if, if you could imagine that what, what that, that officer said, and what I said, he gave you the textbook, the, the, uh, pure, um, you know, Funk and Wagnall, uh, approach on that. And I gave the examples and he, but one thing he, we both are, are on the same page about is that police associations do not go into weeding out bad officers. That is not their job. So, so you would say the question originally was, uh, what do they have in either helping or hindering the weeding out of the 1%? Would you say it's more nothing or lean towards more hindering or help? I mean, where would you kind of go with that? They're bound by, by the, what they do as an association to help, to assist in their rights. However, like I say, if, if it's a repeated offense, if this person is deemed a, a negative retention candidate, such as they've been, they've been in trouble a lot and the stuff just keeps mounting up. That's up to internal affairs. That's up to administration to deal with. Okay. um, The association is there for contract negotiations to get you or try to get you a raise, to try to get everybody a raise, to try to, again, um, ward off any hostile work environment, things like that. So, they're not their their prime focus is not to weed out bad officers. They are there to deal with the officers that have already been hired and to assist them that in their in their police officers bill of rights. Understood. So it, it mostly the internal affairs and supervisors are the ones that really deal in in kind of weeding out of bad of bad cops and again we're talking about a 1% or, or so. Um in general it sounds like the associations are there to support the, the police officers provide uh, service to them. But at some point, if something gets really bad, they do, someone does something really stupid. These unions, these, this association really can't back you hundred percent. And, th- and those days are kind of over anyway. I mean, no. as far as, no. you know, if, if I'm off duty and I walk into my neighbor's house because he'd been banging my wife and I shoot him in the head, the association is not going to touch that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's something out of their jurisdiction. There's just no way. Okay. That's me as a private citizen uh, acting beyond my scope of employment. Okay. That is not there for them to deal with. Okay. Understood. No, I think that answers, answers the question, question pretty well. It, it's relevant now with a lot of things that are going on. Uh, and yes, thank you, Dave, Joe, for your question. Hopefully we answered it. Uh, Great question, Dave. Yes, thank you. Yes. And guys, keep them coming. Uh, Bill loves them. I love them. If you want questions for Bill Barnes, uh, whether it's an email or, or whatever you do, make sure to send them in by Tuesday afternoon or uh, probably before two o'clock or so in general. So that we or, can or hit me up on Facebook, go yeah. to, go to uh, instant messaging and um, let me have it. Yeah. Anything hit Bill Barnes is uh, he's on Facebook 23 hours a day anyway. So make sure, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you uh, contact him or I thank you again. Uh, well, Bill, I have a few uh, questions. I talked in my, in my, intro about kind of one of your claims to fame in officiating was, you know, picking and choosing your battles. You'd always refer to that with coaches and how, when we would talk about a coach, you'd be like, Oh no, he's a good guy. He picks and chooses his battles. Meaning it's not the guy that cries wolf all the time. that screams about every pitch. 
you know, every if 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 you only are barking at close ones, okay, I'll listen to you a little bit. But I think we're in this age, and we'll get into all the stuff, Bill. But it's just an analogy, kind of where complain people who complain nonstop, you can't really reason with. Nor do they want to complain all the time. They think every pitch is is uh, should go in their favor. And I, I want to talk, you know, get your thoughts on kind of the phrase you you have used a lot over the years in in picking and choosing your battles. Well, you know, it's kind of like the kid in third grade who always raises his hand about everything the teacher says, even though it's clearly put, brought out as far as when recess is, how long recess is going to be, what you can do, what you can't do. You're always going to have that one that always raises their hand, keeps you there during recess with his <laughs> dumbass questions, and pisses everybody off. Pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Pick your battles. And back, you know, in baseball, uh, uh, you know, I can name you right off the bat a lot of good coaches and managers that let you work. But if something went wrong, they were going to come out and question you because that's their job, and you respected them for that. Not the ones that were just, you know – Screaming on every pitch, screaming on every, you know, check swing, every close. I mean, come on. You've, you, you, you've lose your credibility when you do not pick your battles wisely. Yeah. If, if you scream on about a pitch that almost bounced, it's like, okay, there's really no defense for that. Yeah, absolutely. But you scream about a pitch that looks the same from the dugout. Uh, that is, you know, a couple inches off the plate versus the one that was right on the corner. Uh, it's like, okay, come on, that that's a close one. You, you got no real credibility if you're screaming about that, wanting that all the time. So I say it, Bill, because I think it's relatable to today's society where we want to take situations that are not the same and we want to try to make them the same. We want to make every uh, interaction with police, it's exactly the same, where it's just not true. Every situation, you were someone who saw a ton of them in your years in law enforcement, there were some that were similar, but almost none of them are the same, right? They're all different. I've, I never have one instance of a use of force situation, a shooting, a, uh, any type of, 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 you know, of, of situation like that that was the same. There was, you know, there's reasons. There's, there's what's called an escalation of force mm-hmm. used. You, you, now, it's changed since I was a cop. Okay, it's changed because there are more tools now to use as a police officer. And in my personal opinion, I think there's too many damn tools, to be honest with you. Because if those tools don't work, all of a sudden you're faced with, if your stick doesn't work, your verbal, uh, your verbal demeanor doesn't work, your, your nightstick doesn't work, your taser doesn't work, your stun gun doesn't work. And now all you got your 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 your, your weapon and, you know... Whereas officers nowadays, I, I swear by this, are not trained to fight with someone mano y mano anymore. I've seen it over and over and over where things escalate so fast from verbal to to any type to any to non-lethal to lethal, whereas you know what? If you had tackled the son of a bitch, put him on the ground, pinned him down, and and got more help there, it would maybe things wouldn't have escalated to this point. On the other hand, on the other hand, which people just fail to comprehend, is that you know kindergartners 
can listen to their teacher and do what they're told to do. Kindergartners, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. They're five fucking years old, okay? Why is it that a grown man in his 30s is told whether he be white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, whatever the race, okay, is told, stop, put your hands behind your back, uh, you're under arrest, okay? If the handcuffs can go on, and they can come off just as easy if, if it's yeah. a situation that warrants. Now, if you comply, there's a damn good chance. I would say a 100% chance if you comply. And again, whether you're white, black, I don't give a shit what color. If you comply with a lawful order, there's a 100% chance you are going to either go to jail for something you've done, be cited and released, a citation and released, or you're going to be let go. But at any rate, you're going to be alive at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, let's not dance around it anymore. We talked about the Jacob Blake shooting last week. We're going to talk about it some more uh, this week because what do you know? More facts come out over time instead of this instant reaction, which we want to do here in uh, in America. Um, Bill, they – Let's say the police could have done they, – they could have been more physical with it. They were trying. And if you want to say that they should have been in better physical shape, there's an argument there. Absolutely. Okay, but when you're dealing with someone, Mr. Blake, that resisted arrest physically multiple times, the taser was used on him. All these things that all the celebrities, all the blue checkmark warriors, all these fancy uh, famous athletes, all they want to talk about is, well, the police, they, they didn't need to do what they did. Okay, I could, I could hear your argument about not shooting a guy. Okay, but what else did you want them to do? I mean, you saw the video last week. You've heard more facts about the, the fact that the cops, when they showed up, they knew this guy had a warrant for his arrest for an alleged sexual assault before. His girlfriend was the one who called the police. She was in fear of this guy. She, she seems to be forgotten about in all this because of what happened. So anyway, your well, thoughts. First of all, it doesn't fit the narrative of the Black Lives Matter coalition, group, club, whatever the fuck you want to name it, all right? It doesn't fit their narrative that um, they're being treated fairly, okay? They think every time a black man is shot now, whether he has a gun, whether he doesn't, there was just one last night in South LA. Yes. It doesn't matter. If a black man is shot, there's going to be a, a uh, very tense and very, very ugly type of protest, which has obviously led to the looting, the burning, and the rioting of, of cities, okay? And it's being fueled by our, the athletes in Major League Baseball, the National Football League, even the not National Hockey League, the NBA, obviously, they're, they took a, a, a pause in games and they didn't. What good did that do? Mm -hmm. What good did that do? It was a tantrum. Okay. Did the fans suffer from it? No. No fans. They're, because there's no fans to, to, to come to the games anymore for now. Okay. And, you know, I, I felt like asking the Dodgers, hey, how's that doubleheader working out for you? 
when you decided not to play the night yeah. before. Well done. And, and, you know, NBA, apparently, you know, guys lost money for not for doing that. And the, the stars were like, okay, well, well, the star, I don't want to call them stars, but the top players are like, uh, well, our, our other guys will make, uh, we'll lose money. So we need to, we need to play magically solved overnight. And, and what, one thing that came to mind for me, Bill, you know, Jack, it was Jackie Robinson day recently. And the, and the, and the actor who played Jackie Robinson in a recent movie passed away recently. Also, um, Remember all what Jackie Robinson went through in trying to get on the field? And yes. now we got athletes in 2020 that hear something they don't want to hear or see something, and they twist it their own narrative, and they storm off the quarter field in, in, in protest of something. I, I don't know. So it's pretty crazy to me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that um, you know Jackie Robinson was always famous for, I want to be with the guy who doesn't get upset. Mm-hmm. Doesn't lose his cool. Okay. And that's the way Jackie Robinson was. Okay. He was absolutely loved and, in, and endeared by his teammates, especially Pee Wee Reese. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Dodgers loved him. Okay. He was their guy. And because he, he wasn't, he, he wasn't, he, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't do anything other than be a good teammate. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you see some of these 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 white uh, players now that are completely completely overboard on what they say and what they do. Are they being good teammates? I guess. Okay. Are some of the white coaches in the NBA trying to back their guys? Probably. Yeah, and and recently Pete Carroll of uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, he went on a rant, basically in summing it up, that uh, white America needs to be educated. Well, you know who needs to be educated? Anybody, any race, who resists the police and makes their job harder. If if they just d- don't fight, don't resist, don't do these things, we're not having these conversations. We're, we're just not. What what people also understand have to understand is is that white police officers are not going out of their way. They're not going into black neighborhoods and indiscriminately killing black men. They're being called there by people that need service. And they are basically playing the cards that they're dealt in the Blake situation. For whatever reason, you had two male officers there, one female officer there. The two male off, male officers um, engaged with him physically for some for for whatever reason. He was able to escape them. The uh, the less lethal didn't work. He then went into a vehicle, and it was by his own admission he had a knife in the car. Okay, you cannot let. Okay, you you've let a bad situation get worse. You cannot let let this worse situation get even worse by letting him go into the car and retrieve a weapon. Okay. Now you don't know what's in there. You've given him command after command after command to stop. Obviously he sees that there's three officers there. They're all armed with weapons and he does not listen to his commands. Now, let me take you back to just over a year ago out in Riverside, California, a traffic stop by a CHP motor officer who was black. He was towing a vehicle he let, he let a guy who turned out to be a parolee 
He was towing his vehicle for driving on a suspended license. He let the guy get into his car to retrieve something. Well, guess what that was? It was an automatic rifle. And the officer was killed before he even looked up to know what was going on. He was killed. A major shootout took place and the suspect was eventually killed by a Riverside police officer. Yeah, Bill, I remember that situation in Riverside and it's just one of many uh, that people just don't realize could potentially happen. Uh, many stories like that have happened and they're, and that's always got to be in the back of officers' minds uh, in, in any of their situations. You just don't know. And I got to tell you, after you struggled with the guy for a few minutes, tried to tase him and everything, and he storms off and goes in his I'm sorry. Like for me, I'm a civilian. I'm not the law enforcement experience guy you were. But I mean, at what point do we start holding suspects accountable? Well, we used to. We used to. But, but uh, you know, the narrative now is that anytime you shoot a black man, whether it's whether it, with with all whether it's completely justified, you're going to get backlash. Period. In a story, it's going to happen. Um, this was the cops didn't come out there on their own. This wasn't a traffic stop. This was not their idea to go contact this guy. It was a radio call. It was a call for service from his girlfriend, who obviously was in fear of this guy. He had a sexual assault warrant. Okay, and what 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 you don't understand, what people understand, he was shot seven times. A very unfortunate, okay, mm -hmm. in the back. It doesn't fucking matter if you're shot in the back. People don't realize that you can do a lot of harm to someone with your back turned. Okay, his back floorboards. He reaches in, he puts the gun to his side without even turning around, and he indiscriminately fires. That can happen. So I don't want to hear this Kamala Harris bullshit saying he was shot seven times in the back. She fucking knows better. She was a district attorney of San Francisco. Even though it's liberal San Francisco, she fucking knows better. Okay. You can do a lot of damage when a, to someone when you shoot, even though you have your back to them and you shoot at them. Okay. You can do a lot of damage. You can kill someone if you shoot the gun. It doesn't fucking matter. Okay. So for Kamala Harris to say that, she feels that the officers should be arrested and charged without an investigation, purely on the fact that that the guy was shot seven times in the back. Well, her and her and uh, most of the Democrats hate the police anyway. So that's that's right. my point. And what people don't also don't understand is you don't shoot to wound. You don't shoot to send a message. You shoot until the person has stopped doing what they're doing. Seven rounds can be shot very, very, very fast. Neutralize, neutralize the threat, however yes. you want to determine right. it. Right, exactly. Stop, uh, neutralize, whatever, okay? You know, they shot center mass body in the back, unfortunately, unfortunately, because, you know, unfortunately, no one wants to shoot anybody, all right? He dictated what happened. Mr. Blake dictated what happened. Everything, everything there was, was, was. If he would have submitted to whatever the cops did, whatever they wanted to do, arrest him for the warrant, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. The NBA, the major league base, they would have, they would have played. There would have been no problem. He has dictated every part of this. Yeah. And His I actions dictated all of this craziness. Yes. No, hundred percent. And, and people just, 
No one wants to say it. It's unbelievable. Like, and you talk about, you know, shot in the back, Bill. Like, what's what's something police officers always ask to see is your hands. Whether you're you're facing them, whether you're sitting in a car, whether your back is turned, they want to see your hands. So I don't care about this. Oh, come on, they shot in the back. Go screw yourself. You you especially you're refusing to look at all the other situations. I, I still have yet one person to give a suggestion what the police should have done. Everyone says they shouldn't have done that. No one is. Should they have let him drove off? Should they have just ran away? What should they have done? Well, I, I was very in, in last week's show. I was quite, um, you know, quite. Uh, what's the word? Um, disappointed with their tactics that two males couldn't keep this guy on the ground. Yeah, and I was really wondering what the hell the the, the female officer was doing that she didn't jump in and help. Okay on the video that I saw. All right. That goes back to my argument that I don't believe police officers nowadays are as fit are as trained are as in the gym as much as they should be from years ago. All right. When you see, all right, to all the audience members out there, I want the next time you see a scene where there's a, there's a lot of cops like at a, at a shooting or a protest, look at how, look at how many fat out of shape, cops are nowadays okay and i'm talking shit about my own brethren my own former brethren okay i am i'm going to be just as harsh on them as i am on the folks that are second guessing them and guess what guys you might not be second guessed so much if you're in shape to begin with okay the the, the situation last night the shooting in south la um i looked at that video last night and this morning and i saw the cops on the skirmish line there was a bunch of fat fucks Okay. And if you're not in shape to win a fight, you're going to lose the fight. And when you lose the fight, that's when you shoot people Mm -hmm. right, wrong, or indifferent. Try to avoid that. Let's try to eliminate that. But if you can't, bad shit's going to happen. And believe me, don't confuse what I'm saying is that the suspects dictate how they're treated. You comply, you're going to walk away and you're going to be alive. Comply, you stay alive. Simply put. Yes. Yeah. Very, very simply put. And, and look at what well, we're in this age now, Bill, where I think what you're hearing uh, in the media and, and these athletes, I, I, again, my ears bleed, uh, he listening to him, but what you, what you are hearing constantly, what I'm hearing through their interpreting what they're saying is that it sounds like there's no reason to shoot anyone ever. If that that's what I'm hearing. There's there's a, there's no accountability. It just says, man, this stuff keeps happening. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you're right. There is no reason. Go tell your go to your reason. Go to Chicago and tell those folks that. Yeah. Okay. Clean up your own house. Clean up your own house before you come and you tell me to clean mine. Clean up your own house. If Black Lives Matter so much, which they do, as do Brown Lives, White Lives. Mm-hmm. Green lives, yellow lives, pink lives, whatever lives. They all do, all right? But if they, if, they, if they mean so much to you guys, clean up your own fucking house before you come telling me how to treat you. Yeah, a big one that, that's been around for a few months is this whole Breonna Taylor situation. And yeah, she was caught in the crossfire, okay? But you know what? You know what? Everyone wants to say the cops murdered her. Her boyfriend fired... <laughs> On the Bill, if someone were to come in this house right now, okay, 
and you open at the put let's just say someone the police rolled in on you okay and you and i you know ran away and you fired your gun through the door at the cops mm-hmm. and i'm next to you i'm probably getting shot because you deserve to get shot well okay in, in all fairness in all fairness brianna taylor should have never been shot correct all right correct that was what, what was called a no-knock warrant okay and what time did this go down was this early in the morning like four or five in the a.m Okay. I know it wasn't at two o'clock in the afternoon. It was when they were sleeping, obviously. So it had to be between, I'm going to say 10 o'clock at night and six o'clock in the morning. What's a no knock search warrant on the wrong fucking house. That is an absolute egregious error on law enforcement right there. Yes. I mean, let's just call it what it is. All right. She should not, again, again, decisions were made. Choices were, were made where there wasn't enough probably probably uh, probably wasn't enough investigation done on that house where the suspect was that they were actually looking for and that could probably that should bankrupt the city of Nashville or was it Louisville <laughs> Louisville Louisville that that might bankrupt them mm-hmm. okay because how much money can what's the dollar figure on a on a human life that shouldn't have been shot you don't know do you I don't okay now <laughs> let's go to the second part of that Cops shouldn't have kicked the door. Cops shouldn't have been there. And again, I got to be truthful with you, Matt. If it's four o'clock in the morning and I hear my door come down and I don't give a shit if they're, if they're saying police, police, police. Okay. A lot of people can say that just like I did. True. Okay. I I don't know if I'm not going to return fire that to a reasonable person. If you're a reasonable human being. Okay. I don't know what kind of neighborhood they were in, whether it's a, a shitty neighborhood where, where that kind of stuff goes. I don't know. But I do know that if that happened to me, I'm not sure I wouldn't shoot either, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I can hear you there. All right. I, I can hear I'm you giving there. every benefit of the doubt I can. Okay. Every benefit. Because I don't want people out there to say, this fucking Bill guy, he oh, just yeah. sticks up for the cops. No, I don't. No, I don't. That whole situation could have been way better. And, right. and I'm not going to sit here and say the cops did not screw up there. They and, screwed and, up royally. And you're right. That was a big, big, big screw up. But this narrative that they went in there to kill somebody. Bullshit. Is wrong. Wrong. That's completely wrong. Wrong. But we can't look at those things. You and I are sitting here saying the police screwed up there, but still there's no accountability. Other po- Like, it's just ridiculous. She was caught in the crossfire. Okay, and mm-hmm. it wasn't this execution no. that the theory wants to be no. thrown out there all that, the time. There was not that was not murder. No, that was not that was not pre-planned and pre premeditated. That was not murder. That no. was a wrongful shooting. It was bad. It was negligent. It was negligible homicide. Absolutely. I made this argument the other day on the show, Bill, and tell me what you think of this. Uh, the narrative out there is that the, the police are racist. There's a lot of racist police, we'll say, and that they just want to hunt black people down. They want to they want to shoot people of color. That's what they want to do, or they they don't care about the, the results of it. So I have a question. With all these protests, riots, all these events where there's been huge gatherings of people and the police have been flipped off, they've had rocks thrown at them, they've been called every name in the book, how come these racist, alleged racist cops aren't uh, using force against uh, people. Wouldn't that fit the media narrative? What the media doesn't realize and what Black Lives Matter don't realize, this is not 1965 Watts. No. This is not where 95% of the police and sheriff and highway patrol in 1965 was white and hated blacks 
and went out there and 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 inflicted uh, street justice. Okay, that was uh, if my math is correct. That was sixty what uh, sixty fifty five years ago. Am I right? Sixties. Nineteen sixty five. That yeah, that would be uh, okay. Would that be fifty five years? That sounds right. Yes, okay. Sir. Okay, let's go back to 1965. That was only 100 years after Civil War. The, abolish of, of the <laughs> abolishment of slavery. So that's put it into perspective. All right. There was leaps and bounds from 1865 to 1965. Not 100% positive. You still had some, some absolute racists hanging around back then. Mm-hmm. I heard the stories. I've heard the stories. Okay. Did I have I ever worked been on the job with out and out racists? Yes, I have. Okay, I worked I worked with some. Okay, um, however, I would say today in the year twenty twenty, the vast majority of police officers are not racists; they are realists. And what I mean by a realist is, is if they're going to deal with the suspect, it, regardless of the color regardless of the color they're going to be dealt with. Okay. They don't see color when they go and deal with someone. If there's going to be resistance by someone, whether they're white, Hispanic, they're going to be dealt with the same. Mm -hmm. Well, I think any police officer in this age would be absolutely uh, naive to, to, to think they could just do whatever they want, knowing that there's cameras everywhere cameras in everybody's hands there's cameras on on street corners there's you you can't just part of me thinks that okay i'll listen to you you think cops are racist i I just don't think a racist cop would survive very long in today's age or the past few years because it would be so obvious to so many people you can't hide you can't hide that and just because just because the police shoot a person of color does not mean it's an execution. It's a murder. There's always there. There's a lot of white people to get killed too. More than blacks. Uh, there's, I mean, let's not, let's not dance around the issue. There's it, people want to categorize everything it, as far as I see it as, you know, people who were, who were wrongfully or, you know, or justfully shot. Be, and you base off not, not colors, nothing to do with color. It has to do with behavior how you treat the officer, how the thing, everything you're supposed to do. Like you said, a five-year-old. And, and I know some dumb people, they want to post videos and be like, look at the cops. Th- this guy did what he was told and he was still beat up or whatever. And it's like, wait a minute, what's the backstory? Did he run from police? Did he hurt someone else? Like there's always more to the story. You can't just give some video out, which we've seen and been like, I want to, I want to, the whole story. I want to challenge our listeners to go and do some research. I want them to look at all of these, quote unquote, uh, controversial police shootings involving white officers with black suspects. Look at the officers. Look at, look at these guys. Okay. They are for the most part, obviously white. They're very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they don't like, look like they'd been around the block a little bit at all. They're usually thin, not in real good physical shape. Um, and they are young, not very experienced. So with that, what I'm saying is it all goes back to what I said before, guys, if you're going to go work the street, if you're going to be a cop, you better 
get yourself in shape, be prepared. That being prepared can be a great deterrent to someone challenging you, to someone wanting to fight you, thinking they can kick your ass, which they probably can. And you then have to rely on deadly force. All right. I am a major proponent of that because in my day, not that I was, you know, Joe Weider or Charles Atlas, but I kept myself in good shape. And yes, we all, we all had a contest back in the day where, see, nowadays a lot, you don't see off, cops wear short sleeve shirts much because they all have tattoos. All right. They have become this generation where everybody wants body ink. During my day, the only time guys that had tattoos were, were, were Vietnam veterans. Okay. And they, they showed them proudly. So we had a, we had a, we had a, uh, a contest back in the day that who could lift all, lift all the weights to where your arms were so big that you'd have to cut the seams on your shirts. <laughs> all right. Now, trust me, trust me. I worked in some shitty, rough, fucked up areas. Now I could tell you how many times I got in a fight with someone during my patrol career on probably one hand, because you had what's called command presence. I don't see much command presence in cops anymore. Okay. And I know if there's cops out there listening, I say, Bill, you're a fucking asshole. Well, okay. But you know what? Yeah, I am. But I'm, t- I'm giving it to you straight and I'm telling you the truth. Okay. Just like I am. I want to be credible. I don't want to be, I don't, I want to be able to pick my battles wisely. Okay. As we all say. And in this particular situation, I'm calling, I'm calling guys out. Hey, get in better shape. You won't have to go hand to hand with these folks. They're going to listen to you. And if you do, it's going to be over very, very quickly. Yeah. And then the next, the next uh, narrative that people are, the cops are way too forceful. Let them. There's always going to be something. There's always something. There's always something. That's my point. There's always something. You're not going to please everyone. People want to complain about. I get it. There's, there's always something that they're going to be rough and this and that. Okay, fine. You're the dumbass that's trying to fight me. All right. You're going to get what you deserve. Yeah. Okay. But if you want to cut down, what I'm saying is if you want to cut down the, 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 the force between verbal and shootings, then you get yourself in better shape. Yes. Oh, oh, let's, let's, let's put this to bed right now. Uh, your final thoughts, if you will, on, uh, the Jacob Blake shooting and, uh, you've said a lot about it, but, uh, just the overall backlash that we've seen as a revol- result. The of backlash that. is because we've got gutless Democrats that aren't putting their foot down in their cities and putting a stop to this unnecessary violence. Okay. And you've got uh, the likes of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden who basically don't give a shit and condone it. And I'll, I'm going to be real frank. I'm going to be real frank with you. I personally think, Donald Trump is not saying anything bad about it because the more the more violence, the more burning, the more um, un, unfortunate killings of people and during these protests look better for him because he's showing, hey, hey, look at these Democrats. They can't control their cities. But isn't the argument, I'm going to, to devil's advocate, isn't the argument, this is what Trump has turned America, I don't agree with it, but isn't the argument, this is what Trump has turned America into, but- but my counter argument to that before you answer, Bill, is these people burning and looting and destroying things. I, I, I would I would challenge anyone to pick pick one person 
and ask them if they're voting for Trump. All the people that are doing these terrible things, I guarantee you they're not Trump supporters. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it, and it's very, very sad that we have truckloads of Trump supporters having to drive into these cities and and be the be the uh, the 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 other force involved in this shouldn't mm-hmm. be that way. It should be that let the police take and restore act, order. If they can't, then you bring in the national guard. Mm-hmm. Seriously, serious end of story. I think it's going to get uh, pretty ugly here in in the. In oh, the it's going to get. This is nothing. Yeah, this is nothing, man. I know. On November third, when Trump wins whether it be by one vote or a million votes or a billion votes, there's going to be all hell breaking loose and it will be put down quickly this time. Yes. And aggressively. Yes. Yes. I think we, we agree there. Well, well let's, let's get away from the, the law enforcement discussion for a little bit. I know there was a couple things you wanted to discuss. Um, you know, the vice, excuse me, the ex former vice president and current uh, democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden, has, uh, you know, been in the news lately for a few things. And I know you're pretty fired up about some of the things you've uh, seen and learned about Mr. Biden. Well, it, it all comes down to this. I think he spent some 47 years in the government. What has he done? Can anybody tell me what great legislation he brought up, what he did as far as groundbreaking things that he did in the Senate? Okay. He was, he was the Senator from Delaware. Okay. He then became uh, vice president. Now I'm going to bring up two instances where he completely failed, completely failed. One, one was a complete failure. The other one was a complete, um, what's the word I'm going to say gutless and cowardly advice that he gave president Obama. And I'll start with that one on May 1st, 2011, the CIA had developed credible, overwhelming intelligence that Osama bin Laden was in a house in a compound in Pakistan. Okay. Based on this information, Leon Panetta, who was the secretary of state at the time was given this information and he went to the president, the vice president, and even Hillary Clinton who had some role in this whole thing at the time. And told them that they are certain that uh, uh, <laughs> that um, Osama bin Laden is in this house and they're going to they're going to orchestrate a raid to go and either get him or kill him now everybody they, they did a round table as most good and I'm not going to I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and say that Os- that that uh, Obama was a bad president he was what he was, but most presidents, people that are in charge do a little, you know, they, they, they ask for, for opinion. Well, and Bill, not to, not to interrupt, but just a, a brief correction to uh, Leon Panetta was a de- director of the CIA. Director of CIA. I know. Okay. Thank and you. Shortly after secretary. Of Defense. Okay. Director anyway, of the okay. CIA. Thank you for that. Okay. Fact checker. Good, good. You didn't <laughs> throw me off Facebook. Glad. Okay. All right. Leon Panetta was uh, director of the CIA at the time. Which, coming from his people, he went to the folks that I mentioned and make a long story short, they said, hey, we've got a raid in place. We want to go get him. Everybody was in agreement. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Joe Biden, on the other hand, 
said, well, maybe we need more information. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we're, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, he fully well knew that Obama was going to do what he wanted to do. Okay. He just wanted to be the odd man out. And in my opinion, why would he not want to do that at the time when you had full knowledge that this murdering bastard, the guy responsible for 9-11, who we had a, 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 a bounty on throughout the world, why he wasn't in agreement to go up and, and, and get this guy. And we had just missed out on him multiple times, and this was confirmed uh, you know, information. Yes. And why? Yeah, I'm with Are you. we going to let him slip through our cracks again? Again? So then when this came up uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, was, he, he backslid and said he didn't. He didn't. He basically told uh, President Obama, use your good judgment. That is bullshit. Even Leon Panetta, who, even though he was a Democrat, I did some research on Leon, Leon Panetta. A, a good, good, good man. Very, no bullshit about him. Straightforward. Um, graduate of University of Santa Clara, which has at least brought out one good politician, <laughs> unlike the current governor of California, mm-hmm. Mr. Newsom, who's a complete pile of shit. At least, you know, Panetta was a good man. And if he's going to put his reputation on the fact that Osama bin Laden is in this house and go with it, then you know what? You better go with him because he's, he knows more. He knows more than the president does. He knows more than Clinton, Hillary knew. And he sure as hell knew more than fucking Biden knew. So again, when he was questioned about this a couple of weeks ago, he lied. Well, Panetta in his memoir in 2014 said, no, no, he was against it. Panetta even re- wow. re- recounted that. Okay. And this other situation was December 19th, 2012, in the aftermath of the horrific Newton, Newton Newtontown, Connecticut shooting, yeah. where all the first graders, I believe, or kindergartners were killed, 30 of them, 20 of them. Horrific, horrific situation. Um, about a week later, President Obama put together this uh, blue ribbon panel of people that were going to solve school shootings. And guess who he put in charge of this? Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Well, last time I checked, school shootings had gone nowhere or are still here. His blue ribbon panel didn't do jack shit. And as a leader, he failed us once again. He did nothing. He did nothing. So that that should be a real uh, awakening to you folks that this guy is worthless. Okay. Now, you hardcore Democrats... It's not going to change your mind, okay? The ones that love Trump and want to vote for Trump, you already know that. It's, I'm trying to reach out to you folks that might be a little on the fence on whether or not Biden is completely delusional and irrational and gutless as he seems to be. Yes, he is. Do not vote for him. Well, there's plenty of issues. I mean, Biden said he would shut the country down again. Uh, you know, if scientists said, oh, this coronavirus and everything, we'll get into coronavirus in a minute, but... Uh, you know, Biden, as you mentioned, Bill, 47 years, uh, I need a couple of big things he's done. A couple would be nice. I I haven't yet to hear any, uh, in his political career. 
it's all kind of just been like he's he's just he kind was, of been there. he was the uh, I think he was the chairman of the uh, intelligence committee or one of the committees that that uh, when when Justice uh, Clarence Thomas went through his sexual uh, um, harassment thing with Anita Hill, he was on that committee and he was a he I, I remember seeing him um, and he tried to get all the the glory on that for going ahead and um, discounting what she said. Well, okay, great. You know, that was 1990. <laughs> okay. Big deal. It, it's been a long time. And, and, you know, I, I think Biden has just hasn't spoken out enough about the violence in the streets, uh, him, especially Kamala Harris. They want to almost uh, support it and be like, yeah, this is, this is great. It's not going to stop. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I don't hear much from the guy. They, they keep him in hiding, it seems like. All yeah, the you're going to see in the next few months up into the election just how much of a complete, uh, brain-dead, empty-minded, senile old man he really is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. But, but as you mentioned, Bill, the, the extreme left, extreme right, whatever you want to call it, they're not going to. They, they've got their minds made up. It's always the middle. It's always the moderates. It's always uh, left-leaning or right-leaning people that decide these things. And to me, it it depends a couple things. It depends whether people are fed up with all the violence in the streets right now and are like, no, we can't let, ha- let this happen. Or if people hate Donald Trump so much that they don't care who it is. I, I don't see that. Outside of Southern California, the places I've traveled, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of Donald Trump supporters. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I think it's I I've seen more and more of it, which is which is crazy because I hear the exact opposite on uh, on television set and Twitter and such. So I, I do. I, I think there are quite a few. It's it, and they're becoming a lot more vocal. Would you say the, the silent majority is if there is such a thing is. Uh, they're becoming. They're coming out a little more. They're coming out a little more in favor of uh, the president, but uh, you know they're being silenced by the media. Well, Bill, it's just another day in the pus, as you like to say here in the beautiful Southern California and America, for that matter. We've reached the month of September. I can't believe it. And uh, we haven't seen a whole lot change. We've also seen some new topics come up. Um, so here's what we're going to do, if you're up for it, the, the next 30 minutes or so, maybe less, maybe whatever. I'm going to just throw some topics at you, and we won't spend a lot of time on them. Uh, we'll just give me a couple of your thoughts, and I'll maybe say something too, and we'll just kind of move on. Okay. And this has not been rehearsed. No, it I have not. no idea. I have no idea what you're going to throw at me. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you mean you're like, uh, you're not like the Astros knowing what's coming at you? No one's banging a trash can. <laughs> wait, wait, listen. <laughs> Fastball, here it goes. Right. All right. Well, well, Bill, have you gotten a chance to see some of the, uh, they're called memes or like things that make fun, funny pictures basically that make fun of, uh, yeah, yeah, life things. exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, like kind of like the Pearl Harbor, it was a peaceful flyover. Yes, it was a mostly, mostly peaceful flyover. Mostly peaceful yeah. flyover. Yeah, that that is an absolute <laughs> kick in the nuts to all the brave men who lost their lives over there. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. And I that mean, is that that obviously is is you know you know CNN and their their way of of trying to put put um, a band aid on a uh, gaping chest wound. Mm-hmm. 
unacceptable. Mostly peaceful protests. If I hear that one more time, especially with burning buildings in the background, uh, I, I'm just going to lose my mind. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, the Black Lives Matter group should be absolutely ecstatic in the fact that you had a 17-year-old white shooter kill two other white suspects, one of which was armed with a gun, which the press said was a cell phone. Okay. The Black Lives Matter people should be absolutely ecstatic that three of their enemies have been, have well, two are dead and one's going to probably spend the rest of his poor ass in, in jail. Yeah. The rest of his life. I, I okay, that, that kid probably shouldn't have been there doing. What Absolutely doing. not. <laughs> but, when I was seventeen, the last <laughs> thing I had in my hands was a was an automatic weapon. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what was in my hands when I was seventeen, but it sure as hell wasn't an automatic weapon. It might have been an automatic something else, but it wasn't. A, it was, oh, and maybe well, it wasn't construed as a weapon then. But I, I guarantee you. Uh, I was doing other things when I was 17 than going to a driving from another driving from another state to go and join in this type of situation. Yeah, I, I, there, man, I used to talk with my uh, a few of my buddies. Man, there's better things. Why? Why can't you guys just just go have a beer? Just go barbecue? Just go do? Why does everyone gotta like uh, make this big? entrance and, and try to like no, you, we're not going to stop some of these things you just got to let it bleed out uh <laughs> sorry no pun intended well uh, but but the you know i'll say this about that uh <laughs> someone attacks you you have a right to fight back sure. i'll say that uh in the use of force whatever yeah that was that i whole mean thing. that, I that whole thing that, was just a recipe for disaster oh, uh, from the beginning the very first time yeah you, you heated the stove there that whole thing is really screwed up uh okay how about this bill uh, this is from Kamala Harris. This is a direct quote. Blacks have never been treated as fully human. I support the protesters. We must not confuse the peaceful protesters with the looting and the rioting. End of quote. Okay. <laughs> she said blacks have never, never, never treated as fully human. Okay. Uh, that's an absolute ignorant statement coming from an ignorant fucking person. And it's not true. It's not true. Um, she of all people has been treated more than fairly because all she's done her career is lay on her back and moved up her, her way through probably, uh, you know, Willie Brown. She is not at all, uh, you know, she has no business being the vice president of the United States. None. Horseshit DA, horseshit senator. She has no experience. Could you imagine her and Vladimir Putin having a conference? <laughs> oh boy. My God. I mean, <laughs> she, you know, she's a, a good debater, although Tulsi Gabbard put her in her place. Yeah. And I wish to God Tulsi Gabbard would a little bit of would have been a a better pick. She, I mean, she's almost Republican. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised she isn't some of the things she's. Yeah. I mean, she's really good, but going back to, to, to Kamala, I mean, she's just, she's, uh, she's gotten everywhere she's needed to go in life on her back. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> so she of all, she of, of all people should know that's a, 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 a complete inaccurate statement. Yeah. It's just, it's just ridiculous. They, Never, really, never. 
Never. You've never, never been treated never, as fully human. Never is a That's strong, a pretty strong word. Never. That's never. A, and, and look at all the dance that everybody does all the time is this. Well, peaceful protesters versus rioting. Well, there's been a lot of uh, quote unquote peaceful protests in Portland for a long time. And one thing they, they fail to say when they, when they say you got to make sure you talk between which is which they never denounce the rioting. They never, they say there is rioting and peaceful protest, but they never say, Hey, this violence needs to stop. They never denounce it. They give the little fancy quote, but there's no, den- uh, anyway, uh, uh, that's just me. Um, Bill, why, here's another random thought. Why are uh, women's rights groups, why are they kind of quiet uh, about these these actions the police took with Mr. Jacob Blake? The fact that the police were called because it was a, um, you know, uh, someone, a, a woman was the call for help. Great question. It doesn't, it doesn't fit the overall. They've been silent. Big narrative. Mm-hmm. Just like women's groups now are quiet about Joe Biden and his touching, his, his uh, outlandish, behavior in, in, in front of women. Okay. He, I mean, I mean, where, where are they? Where that, are they? The look at, I, I, it pains me to even say this, but uh, I, I'm going to bring up the WNBA here. Uh, the WNBA, they continue to try to be relevant. It's almost comical. Some of the things they've done. It's like, you guys are still playing. Like you're still a league. No one watches, no one cares. And even the, the super, uh, woke women out there, you're not watching WNBA games. I don't know who is, but they, they've done some pretty uh, egregious, we'll call them protests, I guess, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they, they've had, they've worn shirts that have bullet holes in the back uh, to stand up for Jacob Blake. Yet there hasn't been any mention as to what Jacob Blake allegedly did uh, to his girlfriend and mother of three children. Uh, th- there's no mention, at, no denouncing of, hey, if he had, if he did do this, if he did sexually assault this woman, uh, then doesn't yeah, fit their narrative. That is who these people are it standing up for. Fit their narrative as to the mean white policeman shooting the innocent black male. Period. End of story. He could have chopped off 15 heads of people, and he could have been the second coming of Jeffrey Dahmer, and it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. It doesn't fit the BLM move, uh, narrative and movement. Yeah, and that's who they're in bed with. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. It, it's it's a it's a Marxist organization, and they are pushing they are pushing an agenda where people just want to say these terms, say these fancy phrases, and don't really think about what's going on. Anyway, uh, let's keep. If, if if one was to, I know we have a, a pretty no, young ahead, young ahead. audience. Research the Black Panther Party from the sixties. Research the Black Panther Party. And then compare them with the Black Lives Matter movement nowadays. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And if I, if I am wrong, I want to hear comments, emails, questions. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a whole lot of similarities between the two. It does seem like it. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the uh, Black Panthers because I don't really want to uh, <laughs> dive into that. But I do know it was a rad- radical group, rather militant if you will. I mean, if those are accurate terms or not, but sure seems like it to me. And, and yeah, the way in which black lives matter is carrying themselves uh, at some of these demonstrations talking about killing white cops. I want they that's kill white cops. Uh, Same thing. The black Panthers did. Yeah. It's all, I, I, I thought life mattered here, but we're trying to, to be destructive versus constructive, which is 
rather interesting. Um, Bill, do you remember? Let's see, you're an older gentleman. I don't mean to knock you down a peg or not, but you remember when Hollywood used to kind of be like neutral, like didn't really engage in politics, and maybe it was even before your time. But then over time, Hollywood became this this island of, uh, of liberal activism and outspokenness. And do you remember a time or at least research the time when Hollywood used to just not be political at all? Well, not really. Um, even back, you know, in the early seventies, you had, um, you had some activisms. You had, um, uh, Marlon Brando Mm -hmm. won for best actor in the Godfather. And he had a American Indian come up and accept the award for him because he was, he was a uh, American Indian advocate. So <clears throat> to the extreme they are now, no, but there ha- it has been. But it there used to been. even be conservatives in Hollywood. Now they're, they're like, they're either, uh, they got to be silent because they're not allowed to, to have a voice. But my point of all of it is that, you know, Hollywood, I think at one point used to not be as political as it is today. Neither did sports. Neither did music. Neither did sports. It's I mean, all been one thing after another. Why can't the NBA go back to the days of Jerry West and even Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain, you never heard him take a side in, 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 in politics. He was too busy out trying to bang everything that walked. Say, Will, okay? was, Will was busy scoring on the court yeah. and after the court. I mean, off, and that's great. Court. God bless Will for doing that. You know, he had his he had his mind in the right direction. <laughs> you know, he, 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 I mean, why can't we go back to those days? You are in essence an athlete and you are an entertainer. Go be an athlete and entertain us. Don't, don't push your political agenda on me. No, I, I don't know why that has been the, the new normal. This, I have a platform. I have to speak out against it. Wait a minute. Uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bill, but, but were police officers told maybe when they joined law enforcement that they had to kind of keep their political views to themselves? Absolutely. And why is that? Well, because we are supposed to be the fair, impartial arb- arbiter and we cannot take sides. We are there to, to uh, officiate the truth, officiate and keep the peace and not lend our, our, uh, our side of what we believe in or not believe in to one side or the other. That's just not, that's just not the way it is. Well, actors, uh, your job is to pretend to be someone else and make it convincing. Uh, singers, you're supposed to try to make uh, music, even though music today is uh, – I don't, I don't think it could go for music and basketball players. You're supposed to put the orange ball in the, the orange uh, rim in the hoop football players. Uh, you guys are all very, very compensated. So this, this uh, attack on that, that uh, black people are kept down all the time. Uh, I'm just like, excuse me, wait a minute. There's, there's all kinds of rich people. There's all let's, kinds let's of Let's do people. the statistics in the NBA and the NFL. Let's just, and I'll leave it right there. Okay. Because it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, uh, there's very few white athletes in both those sports. Okay. And where's the uproar? Where's the white people complaining? How come we're not complaining? Oh, Bill, come on. Bill. I know. I'm just saying, Bill, come on. I'm just saying you can't, you, one thing I love some of my favorite people broadcasters do, um, Dennis Prager, Larry Elder's great at it. Um, even Adam Carolla a little bit. They love to take a situation and flip the races and mm-hmm. they are like, can, and the famous phrase, can you imagine yeah. if, if, if the roles were reversed here? Uh, and if you look at a lot of different situations, I mean, that's how I kind of look at things too. Uh, you know, if it was a white cop or a black cop shooting a white guy, 
or an Asian guy or like that's that's not newsworthy. No. But the same exact situation with the racist mm-hmm. report, you see it plastered all over the other thing, especially the media. Headline. We're going to see just how good the media is. We're going to see if the media and can, by good you mean creative, creative yeah. and 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 <laughs> over the top bullshit. We're going to see if they can get Joe Biden elected. They sure are trying. They got Bill Clinton elected. Well, back in in 2000, 1992. I'm not a fan of Clinton, but wouldn't you say he was probably had more, I don't know, spunk, spike, uh, spice to him than Absolutely. Joe Biden he had a did. lot more charisma. He was younger, smarter, better educated, and better uh, round, well-rounded for today's world, mm-hmm. unlike Biden. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think the media, one comment I have with the media is, guys, uh, I'm guilty of it as where, well, I will see headlines. You see a headline, and for most of us, if we're really honest, that's all we read. We see the headline. We probably scroll through an article. I try not to do that. I'm trying to be better about it. But the media, specifically CNN uh, and, and other communist networks, uh, they do a really, I hate saying good, but they do a creative job of spinning a story. You know, oh, uh, two cops pulled over a black male and three people ended up dead. It's like, wait a minute. That doesn't tell a story. That that doesn't what happened? Excuse me. Someone opened fire on the police and they returned like that's an example, but that's how the media does. They take every story, they they twist it, and there's no end into how much of a twist they will put on something. Fair and accurate reporting is something of the past. No. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's it's gone. It's absolutely gone. Well, objectivity, you might is completely, completely. Out of the question now. Uh, these are some quotes from from NBA players um, that uh, were said over the course of recent events after the Jacob Blake shooting. Uh, it's draining to see the same thing over and over again. America stays the same, even though we have done our part. Um, I, I don't. If by draining to see the same thing over and over again, you mean someone resisting arrest and forcing officers to do something. Uh, or the constant attacks on police that we're seeing today, then, then yeah, maybe there's some credibility to that. Any thoughts on that statement, Bill? By it's, it's completely ignorant. You've got ignorant NBA players making ignorant statements because they are completely out of, out of the realm of, of, of what is going on. They're being spoon-fed bullshit by God only knows who, and they're just – inaccurate in what they're saying. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And again, I, I've, I've stopped, you know, you can't rationalize with the irrational. No. And I've just stopped listening to that shit because it's just complete nonsense. Yes. And, uh, you know, something else I saw related to the NBA again, I'm not watching the NBA. Uh, I try to not watch. I tried to watch sports center. I think a few days ago, Bill, I lasted like five minutes. It was like, it was awful. I thought I was watching CNN. Um, and look, we talk politics on this show. We talk sports. We that, But that's kind of our how the show summary is. We talk about a lot of different things. Uh, I don't want to turn on the cooking channel and see and not see food being prepared or how to cook meals. I don't want to turn on the history channel and, and see uh, an episode of Friends on. Okay, I want to turn Sports Center on, and I don't care what sport it is. Give me a sport. It's a sports channel. Stop talking all these CNN talking points. Am I am I am I wrong by that? I, I think you're asking for a, for a hell of a lot. I really do. <laughs> um, 
let's see. I, I believe I saw Chris Paul, the head of the players union wearing a hat that says, uh, am I next? Well, if he, uh, resists arrest and goes for a weapon, yes, he will be next. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But if he, if he acts like a, like a, uh, accordingly and does what he's requested to do. If he has an encounter with the police, he won't very simple. Yes. Uh, not a quote, not a quote from Chris Paul, but when I heard on sports center, my, my skin color should not determine if I live or die. It shouldn't. Correct. It shouldn't. And it doesn't. No, it's behavior. Absolutely. <laughs> why, why, why do we, uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's step away from sports for a quick second. Uh, I think you, you may, well, we'll see if you explode on this one. Um, this is a quote from a former first lady, uh, Michelle Obama. And I don't know, I don't know what Laura Bush is doing right now, nor do I really care. I don't know why former first ladies, uh, are kind of in the news uh, or, or, or what, the, first of all, I don't think there's been a first lady who has been worshipped by the media more than Michelle Obama ever was. Do you, do you agree with that? Um, probably it would date back to probably Jackie Kennedy. Okay. I, I would, I would agree um, with that. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the media had a love affair with, with, uh, with, um, Michelle Obama and, um, why she needs to be relevant now is beyond me. Well, here is something that uh, she recently said uh, during an interview. Uh, quote, what the white community doesn't understand about being a person of color is this nation in this nation is that there are daily slights in our workplace where people talk over you or people don't even see you. End of quote. So my first response to that is, how Everybody f- gets that. Trip. My first response to that is, how the hell would she know? <laughs> when has she been in the workforce? It's a good question. It is a good question. Uh, another quote: uh, When I'm a when I'm just a black a black woman, I notice that white people don't even see me. They're not even looking at me. So I'm standing I'm standing there with two little black girls uh, and another black adult there in soccer uniforms, and a white woman cuts right in front of me. Uh, in front of us in order, like she didn't even see us. So she's giving a couple examples here of, of that. She's not being worshiped or praised enough, I guess. Uh, people automatically assume that certain things that happen are, are racism are, in, are, are part of racism. Like what, what are we doing? Someone, someone cuts in line. You don't know that they're a racist person. Someone doesn't stare at you, Bill, when you're out in public, you think that if someone doesn't give you all the attention, a stranger, do, do you feel slighted? Once again, you cannot <laughs> rationalize with the irrational. I have no idea where she's coming with that, nor do I really care. Yeah, because uh, Michelle Obama is not relevant to me, one iota. Yeah, we don't exist, and and when we do exist, we exist as a threat, and that's exhausting. So those are a few quotes that jumped out to me. Uh, I just said, uh, "Excuse me." Um, that's really interesting because my argument is this. There are quite a few uh, black conservative people in this country, and it's it seems like it's grown quite a bit because of everything that's going on. Uh, but I mentioned one already: Larry Older, the Hodge twins, um, Candace Owens. These are not people that 
I think, fall into the category that Mrs. Obama is trying to paint a picture of. Um, I don't look at race. I look at values. I, I, I think uh, what's funny to me is that what we're seeing with, with kind of black Americans who are, who are conservative is they are almost attacked because they have those views. And to me, it's, it's, it's kind of going exactly against what you accuse other people of, isn't it? They're not afraid to speak up and say what is true and correct. They aren't being led down the path of militant, crazy, loot, you know, looting, protesting, um, bullshit. I mean, they know they're, they're smart enough to realize what's going on and how to succeed in life. It's by hard work and by putting your, getting yourself in front of the line by doing well in school, by working hard at your job, not by asking for a fucking handout. The Republican speech on Thursday night, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, the speech, that really doesn't matter, but a couple things. First of all, uh, specifically CNN again, was critical of the Republicans for having a speech outside, about 1,500 people, uh, and then really didn't have much to say about all the demonstrations going on on the other side of the White House by quote-unquote protesters who were uh, basically harassing everyone who left that White House afterwards. Everyone. Republic, there were Republicans who were harassed. There were Democrats who were harassed. There were white people. There were black people. They harassed everyone because these people were coming okay. from the president's speech. These protesters took the bait. They took the bait that the Secret Service and the Washington Metropolitan Police didn't have a bigger, bigger area cordoned off around the White House. I'm not saying it was purposely done. Maybe it was an oversight. I don't know. But there was a reason <laughs> that these folks were allowed to get that close. And unfortunately, uh, the governor of Kentucky, Rand Paul, was one victimized by this. Uh, another black couple, which was victimized by these uh, by these folks harassing and yelling at him. I'm not saying this was a staged event, but if you wanted to make sure it didn't happen, there was a way you could have done that. That's interesting. I haven't thought of that. Bill, see, this is why we have these conversations. See, Bill, Bill, yeah, I wouldn't say you're a conspiracy Let me tell you theorist. But I'm you not a conspiracy <laughs> theorist. I'm a realist. Consp uh, uh, realist theorist. theorist. Yes. <laughs> and if you... <laughs> If you want to, I mean, there's ways you could have made the perimeter a whole lot bigger and these people could have had safe passage to wherever they were going. Okay. This was a orchestrated event. Okay. An orchestrated event. Now that's why you folks out there, you got to realize I don't always side on this, on the Republican Trump side. If there's something shitty, I'll bring it out. If there's something shitty on the cops part, I'll bring it out. If there's something good on the Democrats part, I'll try and bring it out because <laughs> there ain't much. It's, it's, but what I'm saying rare. is, is that nobody's squeaky clean. Nobody, nobody wears the white hat anymore. Okay. The Lone Ranger is, is dead and buried. Okay. Um, there's, 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 you know, there's shit on everybody's shoes. Some more than others. <laughs> Yes. All right. Uh, well, I know you've been very critical of L.A. police chief 
uh, Michael Moore, and, and you brought up a situation that uh, he was involved in. Well, I don't know if he was involved in, but I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on the Michael Moore situation? Fill us in. Well, what happened was last week, some protesters went to his house in Porter Ranch. I believe it's a gated community. How they got in, I oh. don't know. Oh, oh, it's probably a peaceful entry. I'm sure. Peaceful. It's supposed to be a peaceful it's protest. Mostly there. peaceful. Uh, gated yeah. Entry. They broke. They broke a lantern. On, they broke. They broke a light. They spray painted his house. Uh, they trampled through his yard. Um, he wasn't there. I'm just curious if he was there, what he would have done. But we won't know because he wasn't there. But it showed a picture of him when he got home. He's out there with a high, high, uh, high nozzle uh, spraying machine trying to clean off his sidewalk and his, his uh, property from the graffiti that they, they sprayed. Well, the only thing I have to say, Chief, is how the, how's that knee working out for you that you, that you took? A, the same folks that came and fucked your house up were the same people that you took a knee with. Okay. And that really, really uh, did wonders for you in the department, didn't it? Because then a few days later, they went to the Van Nuys station and completely bastardized that place with graffiti and, and breaking items and, and, uh, and whatnot. Mostly peaceful graffiti, would you say? Mostly, yeah, peaceful, peaceful graffiti. Mostly sure. Peaceful. Come on. I mean, <laughs> mostly peaceful. Graffiti. You know, it, it, who are we kidding? This is how ridiculous. Who are we kidding? This is how ridiculous it all sounds, Bill. But when you put it in in similar terms, it's like I oh. guarantee you that if Daryl Gates was alive, and I'm saying Daryl Gates because he didn't take any shit. Was he a great chief? Probably not. Okay, he, there was a lot of bullshit to him. But I guarantee you, if you went to Daryl Gates' house and pried that shit, there'd have been some bodies taken out of there. Okay. Maimed and hurt and fucked up. All right. You, now that you're attacking the chief personally, personally by going to his property and fucking his house up, that is way beyond the line. Yeah. People have a right to defend their, their property. Okay. That is wrong. And as much as I dislike chief Michael Moore, it's wrong that they did that to him. Now, chief, you've been awful silent lately. I'm wondering if you're seeing the light on whether you need to start backing your troops and quit licking Gil Garcetti's ass. I'm sorry, uh, Eric Garcetti's ass. And maybe you're licking Gil's ass too. I don't know. But you know what? Back your people, man. Be a chief. Don't be a politician. Especially to the likes of, of Garcetti. Come on. I'm hoping you're better than that. Well, Bill, a couple more sports topics, nothing too specific, really, just kind of in general. I think sports is kind of running itself into the ground with all of this activism, we'll say. And, you know, you hear all the time, well, you're going to be on the right side of history, right? You know, whatever, whatever that means, really. Uh, uh, I did hear, was it uh, Anthony Rizzo, I believe, made, it, made a, a statement and said something along the lines of uh, that uh, the politicians don't care much about uh, professional athletes. And I got to tell you, Bill, you've umpired professional baseball, college baseball. You've been around uh, football. Um, I, I do know at the professional level, athletes don't care about their fans. They say they do, but they just, they're happy to play wherever they play. And they, they will give the song and dance for, oh yeah, our fans are the greatest and stuff. They don't care. And Anthony Rizzo, these guys making millions and millions of dollars. Why do you need a politician to care about you? I don't I, I sure as hell don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't need a politician to care about me. Um, and I'll say this. If it's convenient for the athlete to care about the fan, though they will. 
for example, you're walking out of the stadium and a little kid hands you a ball to look good. You're going to sign his baseball. Yes. Okay. You're not going to go to that little kid's uh, birthday party. Uh, that's two weeks away and uh, be the, you know, and, and because he, he goes, Hey, can, you know, no, you're going to, it's, it's, you know, you're, you, you put a bandaid on things. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. If it's convenient for you, you'll look like a, you'll look like a, a true hero. Exactly. And and I think something there's all this preaching about leagues, all these different leagues. They want change. They want things changed. It's like, okay, here's an idea, guys. Why don't you guys use your platform, your celebrity? You guys are very wealthy. You live in very nice neighborhoods. Why don't you go into some neighborhoods where there is some crime and you talk specifically with the civilians and you tell these fans of you who look up to you and you educate them on, hey, guys, here's how we should be acting when we're around police. We should be respectful. Uh, we, we shouldn't run. We sh- why, why, if athletes want change, as they say they do, why? doesn't fit their narrative. Oh, they just want to bash. It, it comes back to that. It's they weird. just want to bash. Yeah. There's no solution. It's not a solution-oriented uh, mission that they're on. They want to bash. Okay? That's all it is. You're right. And right. guess what, Matt? Um, do you think this guy, Blake, do you think he uh, knew the batting average of Mookie Betts? I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> but Mookie Betts sure gives a fuck about him, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. Allegedly. Allegedly. Now, my point is, is that the athletes aren't going to go into these neighborhoods because those aren't their true fans. The true fans are the folks at that are in these uh, uh, luxury boxes and luxury suites that have money. They can do something for them. Well, if they continue to tell people uh, rich people that they are racist. It's hilarious to me because the athletes themselves are rich. So that person can be rich, but not you can be rich, but not that person. So if you continue to alienate your fans and push your, the, the people that put a lot of money into your salary and your product, uh, what's going to happen? People will forget. This is a season where there's no fans. Okay. People will forget. If, if we're, if this thing is done by next April opening day, you're going to see ballparks sold out. All's forgiven. It's a big love fest. We again. all love each other. We all now. love each other oh, now. It's all it's okay. All good. It's a big love fest. All right. So, just like the strikes, you know, it took a couple years. You juiced a baseball. You had McGuire and 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 <laughs> and Sammy put on a, a you know a display like they were hitting super balls out of the ballpark, and everybody. It was a big love fest again, but it was a fraud. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a fucking fraud. It always is. I mean, yeah, like you said, I like that the selective, uh, you know, do, being good to the fans when it when it uh, benefits. Sure. Them. I mean, th- this knocking of all the police bill that I've seen from professional athletes. I said the other day, I think you take away all the police escorts uh, and all this stuff that that athletes benefit from mm-hmm. in their in their travel. Uh, there's no really, you know, uh, it's the same guys though that if 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 um, you know like like Michael Jordan. Who who are his bodyguards? Former Chicago cops, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, is Jordan out bashing the cops? No, <laughs> no, he isn't. No, he isn't. And he would look like an idiot if he did. Yeah, but let's just say, for example, uh, and I hate to even say his name, LeBron James. Ugh. LeBron James is walking through Staples Center next year, and two LAPD guys are walking with him. He is going to look at them and say, hey, man, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks a lot. It's all image. <laughs> it's all it's all for show, man. Yeah. LeBron James, who's he going to, if, if someone's breaking into his house in the Hollywood Hills, who's he going to call? 
No, who's he going to call? He's going to call the cops, yeah. and he's going to want them there. He's going to want them there pronto. Yeah, I'm LeBron. I'm being robbed. No yeah, one, yeah. I know you leave. Leave the poor. Oh, people really? Alone. I thought you wanted to defund us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, you know you can't have it both ways. Oh man, that's hilarious. Uh, I will say real quick about LeBron. Bill, look at you and I are both follically challenged individuals, but LeBron James has the worst. Ha- I know he's worth ha- half a billion dollars or whatever, but he had his hairline is atrocious. He makes you and I look like Fabio. He, he trying, he just, he won't make the plunge, man. Like you shaved your head. I'm, I'm close to it. I got most of my hair off. Just cut your hair off, man. Stop trying to hold on to your hair. What are you yeah, doing? I, well, again, that's, a, that's a really good, um, you know, uh, assessment on your part. I never gave LeBron James two fucking shits for me to check his hairline out. I could care less what he does with his hair. Okay. Go to the hair club for men. I don't give a flying Cut fuck. It off, I don't care what he does. He's such, he's so proud. He's so proud of everything. Anyway, uh, there, there is a day that, uh, I am looking forward to popping a little champagne bill. And that is the day that the NBA playoffs are over. I have yet to watch one playoff game. Uh, I'm not going to, and I, I'm going to celebrate that. I don't care who wins. I am so done with the NBA. I want it over with. I want it off of the television sets. Well, uh, I'm really upset that uh, that the way this has been marketed, the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I just think it's 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 part of again, it's part of the narrative, and it's not. Uh, we're not the only ones that don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. there's been folks that have been lifelong Laker fans through all the, you know, all through all the, it's, it's, it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's not going to be a good, good end. No, 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 no. <laughs> you said a few weeks ago, you know, the ending. Eh, well, we'll see how this ending goes for sure. Um, the beloved CNN and other uh, liberal outlets have said that the riots need to stop because it's hurting Joe Biden in the polls. The riots don't need to stop because it's destroying things. People are having their businesses destroyed. There's violence happening. No, no, no. It only needs to stop now because it's starting to hurt the polls. That is sickening to me. Well, consider the source. No, no doubt about it. Consider the source. I mean, I, I wish other people saw these things and, and would understand that this is the agenda. It's a radical agenda that the media continues. Folks, to this is what happens when you have a, a, a generation of people that are given participation trophies. <laughs> Everybody gets a cookie. Everybody gets a juice box. You're all winners. You all become spoiled fucking brats. And this is what we're seeing now on the streets of the United States of America and what we're seeing from our media. Yes. And, and until someone tells them to, uh, you know, go pound sand or to, to, uh, we're not going to listen to you. I mean, they're going to continue to do it. They're just going to ride it out till the very end. What you permit, you absolutely promote. Yes. Hands down, sir. Uh, well, Bill, the very last thing we'll talk about today is, uh, you know, you, you've been involved in a few ejections when you were an umpire, I'm sure. And the, the, the saying goes that uh, there's a lot of times ejections happened and it's like, I can't believe you ejected me. And it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't eject you. You ejected yourself. I would say 90% of the time that happened with me is, uh, you know, I would let a coach or manager say his piece. When I'm done talking to him, I say, hey, look, you've had your say, I'm walking away. Well, no, you'll walk away when I say, well, no, no, that's not the way it works. And then they end up getting themselves ejected. They ejected themselves. Now, I have on occasion, when I was a young umpire <laughs> in the high, at the high school level, where 
you've, you, sometimes you have high school coaches that just don't get it. They're complete vile individuals. All right. And you look to throw them out for any reason you can. And have I done that? Yes, I have. Okay. Now that's it. Cause I'm with you. I, I, I same viewpoint. Do you think that you can compare any of that to the way you dealt with people in law enforcement? People generally, when you had to uh, put hands on them, uh, you didn't do that. They did. They forced your hand type of thing. Did I arrest a drunk when they weren't drunk because they were a mouthy asshole? And I arrested him because I had no other reason to arrest him for be, for uh, drunk for into, being intoxicated in public when they probably hadn't had a drink of booze. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Okay. Uh, you, early in my career, you get a mouthy person mm -hmm. who is really mouthy and you try to be patient with them and you mm -hmm. tell them, look, man, I'm done talking to you. You need to turn around and leave. And they don't listen to what you're doing. Well, you end up arresting them and they <laughs> want to know why they're arrested. And I say, you're intoxicated. You're obviously intoxicated, drunk in public. Well, I'm not drunk. I go, you had to be to act the, be acting the way you are. <laughs> Either you're on drugs or you're, or you're, or you're full of booze. Either way, you're going to jail. So again, it's not, it's on them. They, they, you didn't start this fight. Right. You know, correct. I didn't, I didn't drive down the street and I look over and I see a guy, you know, reading a paperback book in a park, minding his own business. I go, you know, that guy's a fucking asshole. I'm just <laughs> going to go over there and kick the shit out of him and take him to jail. No, that did not happen. Even if you had a rough day or a rough morning, you wouldn't do that? No, no. no. Oh. There's plenty of other candidates out there that are going to garner my attention. <laughs> they're going to bring, yeah, okay. they're going to bring, uh, yes. give you opportunity. Yes. Now, if you'll indulge me, I'll tell the story about Go for it. when I ejected a coach. Uh, this was probably years ago, years ago. Um, he was also the football coach at the, at the school. And he's just a miserable human being. Not a good guy. <laughs> Argued about everything. Argued about everything. Didn't pick would, his would belittle, we'd be, when, when, when players went to his sideline from the, other, from the other school, would verbally belittle them. Oh. Yeah, I'm serious. And I thought, you know, what is this all about? So he, he was an assistant baseball coach at this particular high school located in the majestic mountains of, of the San Bernardino. Uh, and it wasn't Big Bear. So there's only other one, one other school up there. So I'll let you folks guess which school this was. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> he was down on the mainland here playing in Corona one day. And the Corona hitter, his foot would, he was up high in the batter's box and his foot looked like it might've been coming out of the batter's box. Well, it wasn't. We all know that he has to, it has to be completely out of the batter's box for him to be out. He was on the line. And besides that, those type of plays, I'm not good enough to make that call. Sorry, can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't put, I can't put one eye on the ball and one eye on the guy's left foot. He better be I'm just the... not that good. <laughs> no. Okay. And I defy anybody that is, yeah. it better be obvious as hell. Well, he bitched and screamed about it on the first on on uh, the on a pitch, and I just looked over at him. I go, "No, not happening," you know. And I said, "No, that's not not even close." The next pitch, the guy stepped a little more towards the beginning of the uh, the top of the box, but did not step out of the batter's box. Hit one off the fence. <laughs> okay, he as the play the only live ball ejection I ever had in my career. <laughs> Okay, so as the ball was not even out of the infield yet, he's screaming at me. I look over at him. I said, you're done. I threw him out. And 
when the play's over, he's still in the dugout. I said, Hey, uh, coach, you've been ejected. What? You know, we, I said, I kicked you. I said, you can't argue that. And he, I go, you're, I warned you the first time you're done. Did I go, did I, did I kind of, uh, indulge a little bit and fudge on that ejection absolutely because the guy's a jerk okay and i got him and he looked at me and he goes well and he looks at me shaking his head and i and i and i said look i said is english a second language for you (laughs) you've been ejected he goes where am i supposed to go i said go sit on the bus you know he was in corona his 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 uh it's not like he can get in his car and drive to you know up to lake arrowhead he had to wait for the it's like the first inning of the game too so okay yes yes that doesn't happen a lot but you act like an asshole you're going to be treated like credibility is everything yeah man. so and- that's my one and only time where i that stands out to me where i i i kind of went out of my way to eject someone <laughs> and and it wasn't because it was an eject, you know, normally you get ejected, you go to the locker room, you take your shit off, you leave. Well, he had to go sit on the hot bus for the rest of it. Cause he, there was no place for him to go. Okay. There was no place for him to go take a walk to or anything else. He had to go be miserable on the bus. Wow. So anyway, that's my, that's my, that's my, uh, my, 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 um, unlawful ejection story. <laughs> well, it sounds like he had it coming though. And again, he, not track, a nice guy. Had a track record of doing bad things. Not and, a nice guy. And getting away with Not it. Not a nice guy. Interesting. Well, Bill, Because thanks. he was from the, the, the Soviet Republic of, of Lake Arrowhead. <laughs> and <laughs> folks up there seem to think they can do anything they want. They look, they're up on the hill looking down on us. Maybe exactly. that's what it is. Exactly. Oh, boy. Well, Bill, that's good stuff. Yeah, great, great subject matter as always. And, uh, yeah, I think we kind of tied it all into – you, know, you got to pick your battles, man. You got, or you're going to lose credibility. And and uh, some of these things we're seeing these days, I think people are just uh, trying to fight too many battles instead of just, hey, control what you can control type of thing. So, thanks again for being here, Bill, and for having me at your lovely home. Any any parting thoughts? Um, I'm tired. We've we went we went long today, and um, I'm exhausted. And I think we've cured the ills of the world. <laughs> Yes, we have, at least until next week. So we'll be back next week to record again. And I'm sure the second we stop here, there'll be plenty of things that uh, we can talk about for next week. So uh, looking forward to it next week. See you next week. Well, thanks again, Bill Barnes. Always a pleasure catching up with you. What can I say? You are the man, the myth, the legend. Always fun chatting with you. Thank you for having me at your home once again. It's nice getting out of my house and heading uh, up the 15 freeway a little bit to to see you. And uh, always a blast catching up with you, Bill. We will do it again next week. I'm sure after this recording gets posted, we'll have plenty to talk about already. And we're just going to have to bottle all that up for another six days as we move forward along this crazy world of 2020. So we will talk to you next week, Bill. Thanks again. Wouldn't have it any other way, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us every single week on the podcast. Well, guys, tomorrow we're going to change things up a little bit. We've been very serious with a lot of conversation this week, especially today with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. Tomorrow we're going to change things up a little bit. We have a different kind of guest on the program. Uh, We have Aaron Bishop on the program. Some of you may not recognize that name and others that that name might jump out to you. I think Aaron Bishop is better known as Tremor the dinosaur, the mascot for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes 
uh, the baseball team in the California League. He's been doing it a very long time, uh, being the dinosaur, the mascot for the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Uh, he is also a teacher at Rancho Cucamonga High School. We are going to talk with Aaron about his involvement in baseball in the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Uh, also, what it's like as a teacher these days. Uh, just a fun time catching up with him. Aaron has always been involved with the umpires who umpire the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes games. He uses umpires as the, part of his skits and things as well. So a uh, very good relationship. I could say most umpires out there who have worked the California League will say that Aaron is a class act and somebody that we always had tremendous respect for because he had respect for what umpires were doing and the job they had to do. And he would never do a skit really with us. And uh, if he felt, uh, you know, it was a tense situation or anything. So he has a great feel for the game. He's been doing the mascot thing a very long time. And he's going to tell us about how he got his start, how it all came about, if you will, being a mascot and, uh, one of the best in the business for sure. So very gracious that he took time to sit down with me and uh, talk a little bit of baseball, a little bit of mascot life and everything. Again, a very different type of conversation tomorrow. And one I think that uh, we could all use right now. We could all use a little, little bit of laughter maybe and a different change of pace. So be sure to join us on Thursday for our interview with Aaron Bishop, also known as Tremor, the best mascot in minor league baseball. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining in to listen today. We greatly appreciate it. I know we're having a lot more listeners, new listeners, if you will. So I hope uh, you're liking what you hear. I know some of the topics may not be for everybody. Some of the opinions may not be for everyone, but they're just opinions, guys. We're just sharing how we feel out here in this crazy world we're living in and also talking a little bit about Real Hondo Prep Sports. Sports, uh, over time and interview a few different people uh, who've gone through that school and that system and everything. So we'll get into more and more of that as we uh, move along here down the road. But uh, tomorrow, a fun interview with a minor league baseball mascot. That should change things up a little bit. I'll, I'll obviously give my two cents in the, in the uh, beginning of the episode before we publish our episode with, uh, with Tremor, if you will. But until then... Uh, just want to say I appreciate all you guys for tuning in. All the feedback's been great, the support, and uh, just everything in general. So there's many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Get Home Safe Pod is our Twitter handle. Get Home Safe Podcast is our Facebook and Instagram page. And our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you, so send us an email. That's the best way to get in touch with us. But if you do so through the social media platforms, that is uh, completely fine as well. If you want to send us a voice message, you can do so through the Anchor app or anchor.fm. Look for our podcast, Get Home Safe. Look for the green message button. Click that button, record your voice. It's a one-minute limit, so say what you got to say. We'd love to publish that on the podcast episode upcoming and then give our answer or uh, rebuttal or just uh, general thoughts on your subject matter. So plenty of ways to chime in and support the podcast. And by support, we mean listen and and be a part of it. So uh, we hope to hear from you guys. Uh, down the road, thank you so much to Todd Bell for, for sending in a message on Facebook, for Dave Joe for contacting the podcast. We appreciate everyone who uh, gives us their thoughts and gives us some subject matter to talk about here. So looking forward to another fun episode tomorrow with Tremor, the baseball mascot. But until then, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.